What a great privilege to be with you this morning. Uh, we are really excited to hear what God's doing, to hear the worship, to worship with you. It's really a privilege for us to enter into the presence of God with you. And uh, thank you for giving us that opportunity. So I just want to start by saying Marina will share the word this morning and also what God's been doing in the nations. But uh, I just want to remind you of two things. As we were singing this song, um, the goodness of God, it's running after me. Uh, and uh, and I, we're just singing it. And then suddenly I had this feeling in my heart, this word, yes. The goodness of God is running after every one of us, but it is because of God's goodness that we can be running after him. And so as, as we are listening this morning and as we are reminded of the faithfulness of God and that God's goodness took us each out of darkness and put us in his light, his goodness is causing each one of us to will and to do his purpose. God's standing in front of us and he says, run after me to God's purposes, to his mission, to what he has prepared for each one of us to do in him. That's why we are saved, not by works, but absolutely for works. Yeah. And so I want to encourage you this morning that as Marina shares in a minute about what God's doing in the nations. He's not only doing there in Eurasia, Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, and all these places that are in the news every day right now, but God's doing that here, right here in the, the United States of America. And he wants every one of us to participate in his mission. Everyone. There's no exclusion. Absolutely nothing. You are called by God. So um, just want to mention a couple of years ago, we were here, two and a half years, I think, ago. We were here with you, shared a little bit, and then we went back and uh, went quickly to South Africa to get a visa for Belarus. And our bags were packed, ready to go. <laughs> and that night, <clears throat> the borders closed <laughs> and all the borders closed. It was COVID. And so two years we had to sit in South Africa, the first few days we thought, okay, it's going to be a few days and we'll be flying and days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months, years turned into more years. But anyway, <laughs> but in that time, uh, we really experienced that God wanted us to know something. Of course, when the borders of Russia closed and we couldn't fly there, we thought, oh, well, let's just do it here in South Africa. And then the next day, everything closed and we were in lockdown in South Africa. For months, we couldn't even peek our noses out of the door. It was really lockdown. And so what is it, God? What, are, what can we do? Of course, we have all these online opportunities. We can preach and teach. And uh, after a year and nine months, God opened the door for us to return to our beloved countries, especially Russia. And uh, I was amazed that this God that we serve can never be isolated. You know, God continues to work even if we don't see it and when we are not part of it. 
just doesn't stop. What God's been doing in the last two years in Eurasia, we could not have imagined. We could not have thought that this God can actually do what we are praying for every day. What you are praying for. This morning, salvation in the nations. God is reaching nation by nation by nation. Our God never stops working. That is his plan. And this morning he's inviting every one of you to participate with that. It's your choice. Actually, I believe we don't have a choice. We are compelled to do it. But I'll be nice and say, in the mercy of God, he's giving you this choice. To join him to do that. Not only going to China or Russia, but right here. And so when Marinda shares this morning about what God's doing, I just want to say that we want to give God the glory. Like we have nothing, but God has everything. And so um, thank you so much for your prayers. Thank you that, that you continue to support, especially our beautiful team in Russia. They really need your prayers. They need your support. Please don't believe everything you see on the news. I'm asking you, those are beautiful people that is desperate for God and they do what God's called them to do. And they need your prayers. They truly need that because we are brothers and sisters in Jesus. Amen. So may God bless you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. It's really, it's really wonderful to be with you. I'm, I think I'm going to stand up here because I simply need to stand. <laughs> so... It's really so amazing to be with all of you today and to just share from our hearts, like Erika said, what God is doing in the nations. God has really been doing amazing things over the past two years, and we just feel blessed and privileged that we can be a part of it, that, that the Lord allows us to join Him on this mission. Actually, everywhere we go, we have this uh, saying, I can't see my tablet. Ha! Huh. I don't know why it didn't work. Maybe it's this bright light. So let me just stand here. I'm sure I'll cope. <laughs> yes, the light there just makes it go dark. <laughs> because it's, I, I don't know if it's that, but it just doesn't want to work when I put it down. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, so I'm just going to go on. So um, God has been doing amazing things. So what I want to do this morning by st in starting is just to remind you of God's mission. We have this saying that we use in, in Russia and, and Mongolia and Ukraine and those places we go to um, that we say God is on mission and then the church answers and we are on mission with God. And so I want to say to you this morning, God is on mission Yes, always. God is always working. We are on mission and, and, and God is on mission and we are on mission with him. And so I just want to start by reminding you of that this morning. So I want to just share some scriptures with you. 
So the first scripture I want to share is from Psalm 67, verse 1 and 2. Just as a reminder of this is God's mission. It says, God be merciful to us and bless us. Look on us with kindness so that the whole world may know your will, so that all nations may know your salvation. Wonderful scripture. It, you know, in the Bible, this, this is actually the covenant God made with Abram in Genesis 12 when he said, I will bless you and through you all nations of the earth will be blessed. So we are blessed to be a blessing. We are saved to serve. God shows us his mercy, blesses us. He looks on us with kindness. For what purpose? So that the whole world may know your will. So that all nations may know your salvation. That is God's purpose. God is a God of purpose. And this is his purpose for every believer. And um, I want to say this morning that actually God has two purposes. And so his two purposes is summarized in, in this verse that he, he blesses us so that all nations can be reached. But part of his purpose is so that his children can become mature. So this is as we are on mission with God, he actually matures us. He changes us. We grow. When we work with God, we grow and we change. So that's what God is giving people a chance to come to know him in this purpose. And he's giving us a chance to mature as we work with him to reach the unreached. And so, so I want to just share those thoughts with you this morning. God is the God of purpose. But he's also the God of process. And that is really what I want to share with you this morning. The God of process. And so... You know, for me and Erika, our mission is Kalmykia, our mission is Russia and Eurasia. That's where God has called us to work and to serve. This is God's purpose for us to make his name known among the unreached people groups. And we have shared about that a lot in this church before. But for you, maybe, you know, your, your purpose, your mission is here in Indiana. Um, God has called you right here to make a difference, to be salt and light right here. And for example... Um, I have just recently checked again because I wanted to check, you know, God, what is happening here in Indiana? And it's amazing if you actually study Indiana a little bit. There are so many Russian-speaking people right here in Indiana. I think there's more than 75,000 Russian-speaking people just in Cleveland alone, in Ohio, just the next state next to you. In Dayton, there are several thousands. Here in Indiana, many thousands of Russian-speaking people speaking people, living right here. You don't have to go to Russia to, to you know, be on mission with God by reaching Russian people. You can do it right here. Actually, in Indiana, there are more than 17,000 Burmese refugees that's living right here in Indiana. God brought them here from a country that's completely unreached with the gospel. What an opportunity we have to reach them here. There's so many Chinese and Indians living right here in Indiana. They study at Anderson University. Literally thousands of them. They study here and God brought them here for what purpose? So that they can come to know him here. You know, I think God said, you know, my church, you're so slow in going there. I'm going to bring them to you. <laughs> and God brought them here. Actually, Paul says in Acts 17 that God determines the places where the nations will be, where they will live. And again, he says, for what purpose? So that they may find me. Yeah. 
God brought them to live here in Indiana so that they will find him. That's God's purpose. And he wants every believer to join him in that purpose, to join him in that mission. Now, you know, so, so we understand this is God's mission. He, he desires to reach the lost. He desires for his church to work with him, to be salt and light in your communities and to really see these ethnic groups and, and even your own American people who are so unsaved and lost. God wants to use you to reach these people, to be on mission with him. But you know what happens? We often do not see results. We often do not see results. When we are on mission with God, I mean, we have been working in Kalmykia and Russia for many years. Since 2010, we've been praying for Kalmykia, a complete Buddhist republic in Russia. So thousands of people, I think there was, um, the last I checked, it, there were like 80,000 people. Kalmyk people who are Buddhists and very few of them are reached with the gospel. And we've been trying, we've been praying for them since 2010. We've sent a team there. We've sent Sveta and Yuri to go and live among them. We've had many outreaches there. Many of you, I know, Shelly, have been to Kalmykia several times. We preach the gospel there. But you know, we have not seen the amazing results we want to see. We have not seen thousands of them come to Jesus. We have not seen churches planted in every village where we want to see churches planted. We haven't seen that. And so sometimes we get discouraged when we don't see those kind of results that we wish to see. And then what we do is we, we start to think, Lord, am I really making a difference? You know, am I really effective? So what we do is we tend to, we start to pray less maybe. We start to work less. We start to give less. We get discouraged. We let our hands hang. And we even get, it gets to such a point where we can get so discouraged, we just think, well, Lord, you know, maybe this is not for me. You know, I'm just going to go to church on a Sunday. I'm not going to labor with you because I don't see the results. I'm just going to be in the service and worship you and focus on my own life with you. And we start to get distracted from God's mission to such a point that we stop focusing. We stop making his mission a priority and we stop laboring with him. Because we look at the results. So why do we often not see results? And I really believe the answer is in this. The answer is in this. The instant versus the process. The instant versus the process. You know, we live in a culture that encourages us to want everything immediately and now. We want instant mac and cheese. We don't want to take the time to stand and, you know, just... Get the raw macaroni and grate the cheese and, you know, make the whole process the long process. No, we want to put it a few seconds in the microwave and eat it. We want this quick stuff. We, I remember years ago when we still had, um, you know, develop, you had to take the spool of the photos to a special shop. And then they develop it over maybe a day or two or three, if you're in South Africa, maybe a week. And then you can go and get your photos. That's the process. But we don't want that. No, nowadays we don't want to wait for the... We want to take the photo now in Kalmykia and send it to our family instantly. And they see where we are and what we do on the other side of the world. We live in a culture where we want things to happen instantly. But often that is not how it works with God. You see, we serve the God, also the God of process. And he sometimes, well, 
I think often God chooses process and not the instant. You know, often with God, it works like this. He starts with a seed and then it must grow through a process until it becomes the apple tree that he intends it to be. This is most often how God works. He works through the process. He is not the God who just sits there and, you know, he's tapping his foot and saying, come on now, I'm waiting, I want things to happen as quick as possible. Now, don't get me wrong, I absolutely believe that God can do miracles in an instant. No doubt about that. And we have seen him do amazing miracles in the nations. Instantly, just like this. But there are many, 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 often, um, this, the cases where we see, but God, we don't see the results. And God says, I am working. Don't doubt that I'm working. I'm just working through the process. Often God chooses to work through a process. And so, you know, I want to show us a few examples in Scripture. We all know this, Genesis 1 and 2. God most often chooses the process. He, he created the world through a process. You know, he could have just said one word, let the earth be and everything was there, even humans. But he didn't. He describes it in Genesis for us as a process. He made, you know, he made the light, he separated light and darkness. And then he separated the waters above from the waters below. And then the, the earth and the water. And then he put, you know, the lights, the stars and the sun and the moon. And then he created the fish and the birds and then the animals and then us humans. He followed a process and he describes it to us as a process. We also see this process in Exodus when he led Israel out of Egypt. You know, again, God could have just taken Israel out of Egypt in one instance. They left Egypt that night. The next morning when they woke up, they could have been in the promised land. But it didn't work like that. First, God took them on an 11-day journey and up to Kadesh Barnea, the border of the promised land, 11 days. But you know what happened? They got frustrated with the process. They started to complain with the process. They started to, to, you know, get just fed up. And they said, God, you know, we don't like this process. And God said, well, now I'm going to lengthen the process. They had to travel another 40 years through the process because they got frustrated with the process. And even after those 40 years, God said, still, I'm not going to give it to you instantly. Listen what he says. He says, I will not drive them out before you in a single year. Otherwise, the land would become desolate and wild animals would multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out ahead of you until you become fruitful and possess the land. God said he's going to give it to them little by little, step by step through the process. Why? Why do you think is God so focused on the process very often? Because when we are in the process of his mission, being on mission with God matures his church. And he's coming for a mature bride. He's not coming for a baby bride. He's coming for a mature bride. And this is his plan. This, let me tell you, God's mission is his plan for how he wants to mature the church. So if we refuse to be on mission with him, we're actually refusing to grow to maturity. For us to grow, we have to be on mission with God. We, yeah, and I'm not speaking about mission going to China or to Africa. I'm speaking about being on mission with God right here in your community, in your workplace, being salt and light, influencing, impacting people's lives with the love of Jesus, wherever you are. 
And so God does it through process. You know, Jesus also highlights this process. Um, it's amazing if you look this, you know, Jesus says in Luke 13, verse 18 to 19, uh, then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? And then we see he compares it to a process. He says, it is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden and he grew and became a tree and the birds of the air perched in its branches. And again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? And we see another process. It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Again, that process of the yeast working through the dough. God works in process. This is what Jesus says. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It's often, most often, like a process. And we also see God himself speaks to the prophet Ezekiel. And he speaks to Ezekiel about the restoration of Israel. And again, God could have just said here, you know, I will make you come alive and you will know that I'm the Lord. He could have just said it this way. I will make you come alive and you will know that I'm the Lord. But he chooses, he shows Ezekiel that he's going to do it through a process. He says, I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow, over, uh, grow back on you and cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. Often God takes us through this process of changing us and forming us in this mission. So while we are reaching the last, God is maturing us. Two birds with one stone. Man, we serve an amazing God. He's got such an amazing process and strategy. And so, you know, Nehemiah, Nehemiah, he understood God's process. And I want to just show you briefly this this morning. Nehemiah, he was committed to God's process. You know, I said there's a way to, there's a way to, um, there's a way to lengthen the process, like when you complain, when you get frustrated with the process, God lengthens it to change you even more. Well, there's a way actually to shorten the process, and I think Nehemiah got it. So in Nehemiah 3, there are those five verses, verse 3, 6, 13, 14, and 15. Those are five amazing verses that are actually saying almost nothing. Very mundane verses. And this is what it says. They rebuilt the gate. They laid its beams. They set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars. Such mundane information. And yet in 15 verses, he decides that five verses should go to this. They rebuilt the gate, laid, us, laid up its beams, set up its doors, and it's installed its bolts and bars. Why does Nehemiah think it's important to tell us this five times? I think Nehemiah was highlighting the process. He said, this is, our, this is our strategic process. We are going to lay the beams, set up the gates, put in the bolts and bars. And they did that for every gate. For every gate they worked on, they did that. And then when they had the gates set, what God, they had an amazing, amazing strategy. When they had the gates built, then they built between the gates every family in front of their own house. I mean, if you know this wall is going to defend my family from someone that wants to come in and kill them, you make sure you build that wall well and strong. It's protecting my family. He had such a brilliant um, strategy. 
And he says, and God gave us the strategy. This is the strategy God gave Nehemiah. We lay the beams, put up the gates, put up the, uh, the set, you know, the bolts and bars, and then bolt between the, wall, the gates. This is the strategy God gave him, and they were very committed to that strategy. They were very committed to it. It says, if you actually go and read Nehemiah, it says they built night and day. They built and they were committed to the task. Now, I want to say, you know, for us as Westerners that are very comfortable, we're always looking for the shortcuts. Like I said in the beginning, we're looking for those shortcuts. So we want to, you know, we, we don't want to do and repeat, do and repeat, repeat, repeat. They had to repeat and repeat and repeat to get this world built. We often, we want, we, Lord, just, I don't want to do this again. And God says, this is what I want. I want the process. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Because through that, you are maturing and you're fulfilling my mission. Let me tell you, if we want a shortcut, if we want to shortcut the mission, we will forfeit the mission. And we don't want to forfeit the mission of God. So we say, God, I want to stick with the process. I want to stick with the plan you have. And so, so this, is, this is how we shorten the process. We are committed to the process. That's how you shorten it. You're just committed to it. You say, I'm gonna, Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to let my hands hang. I'm not going dis- to get discouraged when I don't see the result. I'm going to get committed to you and to your process, and you will do the work. When Nehemiah was committed to that, they finished that wall in just 52 days. Now, let me tell you, that was an amazing accomplishment. I wish you can see that wall in Jerusalem. Maybe some of you have seen it. It's a huge wall. It's like, like from the beginning of that seat, maybe to here. That's how wide the wall is. And it's built with little stones like this. Just stone upon stone upon stone. They built this wall. It's amazing. And they did it. They finished it in just 52 days. Not because they were so many. They were actually not many. They finished it because they were committed to God and to his process. His strategy, his strategic process. And so, so they, because they were committed to it, they saw this happen. You know, there's an, this very amazing verse in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58. And this really encouraged me. It said, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be strong and immovable. Do not give up. Always excel in the work of the Lord. Excel in the mission of God. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Nothing we ever do for God is in vain. Yes, you might not see the results immediately, but let me tell you, it's not in vain. There will eventually be results when God has done his work through the process. He will. Let me tell you, God knows the end from the beginning, it says. He knows that there will be people from every tribe and tongue and nation worshiping Jesus. He knows. He knows what he wants to do. He knows who the people are that he's calling to himself here that live among you here in Indiana. That he wants to touch through your life. He knows the end from the beginning. And he will do it. But often he chooses to do it through a process because he's busy working in us. So if you want to really see God do amazing things, let me tell you, be committed to him and his process. And you will see the miracles. God often works through process. And so what I want to do now this morning is to just use this opportunity. Like Erica said, we've been 
two years in South Africa, well, almost two years, not fully, a year and nine months, uh, before we could go back to Russia. And like last year, November, we went back to Russia and we um, had an amazing few months there. It was really amazing to see what God is doing, what He has been doing through this process. You know, if we look at the wider a mission of God. He's on mission and he wants us to be on mission with him. If we look at that, you know, and we, we get discouraged because we don't see the results. Well, God often has this way of highlighting little things to us, you know, in this process where we can see, man, God, you are working. Just look at what you've done here. And I want to use this opportunity this morning to just show you a little, a few of these peaks, a few of these highlights of what God is doing in the process to encourage you. you. We know that this church have prayed for us. You've sown finances into the ministry. And, um, and we want to say thank you. And this process that God is working in Russia is also because of what you are doing. Because you are praying and giving and laboring with God. And so we want to share this with you to encourage you also. So the Nenets. The Nenets is a is an unreached people group that live in the Arctic, in the Arctic, right in the north parts of Russia. And so it's very cold there, and it's almost impossible to go there. Um, most part of the year, it's it's there's heaps and heaps of snow, and it's impossible to travel there. You can go only with a snowmobile or with um, reindeer sleigh. You know, that's the only way to get go. And so, but we started praying in 2010, we started praying for the Nenets. The same time, we started praying for Kalmykia. And we said, Lord, we trust you for the Nenets to come to you. Actually, we wanted to go there, but it was in the middle of the winter, and we realized it's impossible to get in there. And so that's when we went to Kalmykia, which was we know is everything is in God's process, in His plan. He's busy working. And so, we, so the Nenets, we prayed for them. And God, had, in the last two years, has done amazing things among the Nenets. So I'll just tell you two stories. Our, our team in Russia went and did a Kairos course, a course that helps the church to understand how can every believer be on mission with God right where they are. And so they went and did this course in Naryanmar, which is the capital city of Nenetsia, the state of Nenetsia, where all the Nenets people live. And they presented this course in a Russian church. So it's Russian ethnic people that are believers there. It wasn't uh, Nenets people that were in the church. And they presented this course in the Russian church. But in this course, there were three Nenets ladies that came to know Jesus. And when they went through the course, they suddenly realized, but our people is unreached with the gospel. We don't even have one single church in our ethnic group. No Nenets church. They said, how is this possible? We've never realized that our people is so unreached with God's word. They said, we have to do something. So right there, they started evangelizing their friends and their family. And within a few months, they started a Nenets church. Imagine that. These ladies, three ladies starting a Nenets church. And they didn't stop there. They said, there are so many of our people living far into the tundra. They went 500 kilometers north to a village that were completely unreached with the gospel and planted another Nenets church. Amazing. So our teams decided, okay, they also want to do an outreach to one of the, some of these Nenets villages that are unreached. So they got together material, New Testaments, you know, flyers, literature, and they wanted to send it there before they get there. So they were looking maybe for uh, somebody to fly it in to Naryanmar and then maybe, you know, go, go with snowmobile to these remote villages, remote, remote. 
And so as they were looking how to get this literature there, they found a guy, you know, who said, I have a helicopter and I will fly it for you. Very cheap, very cheap. And so they were excited. They found a helicopter that will fly this stuff for them. And he put it in the helicopter and flew. And so somewhere on the way, of course, he decides, eh, this is too much for him. He just pushed all the literature out of the helicopter. And there was no literature going to those villages. And so the team was, when they found out the literature never arrived there, they were very discouraged. Now, how, what are they going to do with the outreach? But God said to them, still go. So they went. They went. They you know, with, go, went with these snowmobiles. And eventually they reached those remote villages. And as they got there and they started preaching, these people said, hey, but we have heard about this Jesus. We found this boxes of literature that, that you know, fell from the sky. And there was these Bibles and, and things. And we started reading and we saw it's about the Jesus. And so now you come and tell us about those people were so ready to receive the gospel. And many of them became Christians and they planted the church there. Isn't that amazing? So, you see, God is working. He's always working through the process. We must just be committed to the process. Imagine they never went. I believe maybe God would still in some way have revealed himself through that literature. But just to see God work in the process. And we have the privilege to participate with him if we will stick to the process and work with him through this. Um, Another story, the Tubalar is another unreached people group in Russia, in the Altai region. And so, um, completely unreached with the gospel, no, almost no Christians among the Tubalar. So our team again presented the Kairos course. And if you see this photo with a long scroll that they have that, um, holding there, that's a scroll that contains the names of all the unreached people groups in Russia. There's still more than 117 ethnic groups in Russia that are unreached with the gospel. And so it has their names. It has the number of how many people follow that, you know, uh, how many people are in that ethnic group and what religion they follow. So most of them are Islam, Buddhist. Some of them are non-religious, so they're atheists. And so there's that list. And at the end of the course, we always unroll the scroll and ask everyone to hold it and to pray for these unreached people groups. And so at this course in Altai in Siberia, as they were holding this scroll, this one man, he looked at the scroll and he couldn't believe his eyes. Because on the scroll is written the name of the Tubalar. He says, the Tubalar is an unreached people group. My wife is a Tubalar. And they are unreached with the gospel. And he felt immediately God spoke to him, them as a family. And God said, you need to reach the Tubalar. So what they did, they did some research. Because they have a son that is half Tubalar, they could get very cheap land in the region where the Tubalar lives. They bought that land, they built a house for themselves there, and they now moved there to go and plant a church. God is amazing because he loves the Tubalar and wants them to come to know him. He's busy working in the process. I want to share another story with you. Um, in Russia, you know, um, Wycliffe Bible translators, they also work in Russia. The total number of languages in Russia is 97. Not everybody has Russian as their mother tongue. All these um, ethnic groups have their own languages. And only for, uh, the number of languages with no scripture is 43. 43 of those languages do not have the Bible in their own language. Now imagine if you didn't have the Bible in English. You know, how would you grow in the Lord? How would you hear him? 
Yes, we hear him through the Spirit, but the Word plays such an important part in our growing in the Lord. And imagine these people don't have it. So there was a young girl in one of the courses, and she said, Lord, I want to be on mission with you. Show me what you want. And first she thought to go far away, so she wanted to go to Africa. And she did. She go, went on a few outreaches to Kenya. And then she felt God said to her, but I want you to be on mission right here in Russia. There's so much work to do here. I want you to be on mission. She said, how, Lord? And he said, to a Bible translation. And so she said, but God, if I leave my job to do that full time, where am I going to get the money from to, to do this work? God worked in a church. A church also did this course. And they said, we're going to support you. And for a small Baptist church, that I maybe have just this amount of people in the Baptist church, they're giving her between 30 and 40,000 rubles a month. For Russia, that is a lot of money. They give her every month to be part of, it's, it's $400. So for you, maybe that's not a lot. For a small Baptist church, that is a huge amount of money. And so they said, we're going to support you. They, they're supporting her every month. And she joined Wycliffe Bible Translators. She did some studies with them. And now she's part of their translation team. Right at this moment, they're actually busy translating New Testament stories into Kalmyk into the Kalmyk language, this, this tribal group we are reaching out to that, that's so difficult to reach, they're very close for the gospel. We say, God, maybe, maybe these, and they're actually putting these stories on audios because very few Kalmyk people can actually read and write, those that live in the villages. And we say, Lord, maybe this is a key. Maybe you're going to use these audio stories of Jesus to bring change among the Kalmyk people. And so it's just amazing for us how God is working in the process. I'll tell you quickly also about the Soyot. They live in Ulan Ude. The Soyot are Turkic Buddhists, a completely unreached people group. So this church, the top photo there was this church in Ulan Ude. They did the Kairos course, again, about how can every believer be on mission with God right where they are. And they said, God, how do you want to use us as a church? So an amazing thing happened. The whole church decided that they're going to start a project together where as a church... They are on mission with God. So what they did is they put big tables out. They, one Sunday, they just opened all these tables. They got maps. They got study books. And they all did research and said, Lord, which unreached ethnic group in Russia do you give us the responsibility to, to reach them with the gospel? And God said to them, the Soyot. He showed them the Soyot. And they studied them. The Soyot lives not very far from Ulan Ude. And they said, God, this is our responsibility as a church. We want to see the Soyot reach with the gospel. They've already done four outreaches to the Soyot. They haven't seen a lot of fruit, but I wish you can see the commitment of that church. They said nothing. They're not discouraged that they haven't seen fruit after four outreaches. They said, God, you work in the process. We're going to continue. We're going to target the Soyot. The Soyot will one day stand and worship Jesus because this is the mission you gave us. And we're going to see that reach so determined to fulfill the purposes of God, to be on mission with Him. Um, the Karyak people. The Karyaka live in Kamchatka. That's the peninsula on the far east of Russia. It's just attached to Russia at the top, and then it's this huge peninsula into the ocean. The Karyaka are amazing. They're also an unreached people group. So um, we went to the far east, to the island of Sakhalin. And um, our team went there first. We went afterwards over an, uh, like a year or two. And we, we went there now just in February. We were there. And we, um, 
we, we mobilized the churches, and there's this one church who said, we need to reach the Karyaka in Kamchatka. And so they've been to the Karyaka on outreach, actually, also just, just after we left the church there, they went on outreach to the Karyaka. And it's just that photo on the right at the bottom, that's Karyak people sitting on the floor, and they also did this course with them, showing them that as Karyak believers, you can impact your own people. And that's a little church there with Karyak believers that have, that they have reached over the past two years. And these Karyaka, when they did the course, they said, God, help us to reach our own people. They also had this revelation that their people is unreached with the gospel. And they said, we want to reach out. So they are now doing amazing stuff to reach out to all the villages to the north, which is so remote and unreachable. But they said, God, you want us to take the gospel to them. So I just want to show you how these Karyaka, these uh, top photos, three Karyak believers, three ladies, old babushkas, old grandmothers, but worshiping Jesus with all of their heart. So I hope the w- oh, there's no sound now, but that's okay. Ah. Okay, let me just... Just dancing before Jesus, this wonderful savior that they found these people that were unreached with the gospel and just worshiping jesus hacha hacha worshiping jesus and um, we were just so blessed when we saw the way they just worshiped the lord with all of their hearts uh, the karyaka the unreached people are coming to know jesus i will just quickly share on krasnodar it's in the south of russia and God is really moving in the southern parts of Russia in amazing ways. We did this course, the left photo at the top, to your left. We presented this course in this one church, and the pastor and all these leaders were in this course. And when they, they were busy going through this, they said, but God, you have a mission. And how can we as a church not have known this all these years and that you want to use us to be on mission with you? They had such a revelation of that concept. And they said, God, we need to be on mission with you. We need to do something. And this pastor is actually the um, the assistant bishop of a whole denomination. And he said, and we cannot just keep this for our own church. All our churches need to hear this. And so immediately he organized for us on the top right picture, those are actually 45 pastors from their denomination. He got them together. He said, I give you two days. Speak to them about the mission of God. And we just preached our hearts out and we shared with them. And they all got so excited about the mission of God. They came to us one after the other, right directly after this seminar we had with them. They said, help us to, to mobilize our church. Help us to that everyone in our church can be on mission with God. And they asked us to come. And so immediately we went and those two bottom photos or in some of those churches where immediately we did a course on, um, it's a different course, it's on how can I be salt and light in my workplace? How can I be on mission with God in my workplace? And we did that with them and it changed their church. This pastor can't stop talking about how suddenly their people realize God is on mission and we are on mission with God. And so it's amazing to see this move of God in the south of Russia. And then I just have to say something about Ukraine. We also have an amazing team in the Ukraine. Um, that we love dearly. We couldn't go there because of the war. We, there's no even flights. And, um, but we are in constant contact with them. And they are doing an amazing job in this time of the war. 
Constantine, the photo at the top there, that's his wife and his two children with him. Um, he's part of our national team in Ukraine, but he loves Jesus with all of his heart. I wish you can speak, see that man speak. He just shines. The, the love of Jesus is in just on his face and in his eyes. So, so what they did as a church, he had a small church. Again, maybe this, just this size, 10 people in his church. Um, at the beginning of the war, but they were doing their best to preach to people and share the gospel. But when the war started, people were desperate. They were desperate. And so what happened is they started, they said, Constantine said, we're not going to focus on political issues. We're not going to share hate speech on Facebook and media, social media. We are going to spread the gospel. And they started an outreach every day. So since the war starts, so for the last two months, um, they have done this outreach. Every day they have a meal at lunchtime where all these people come to have lunch. And he thought, okay, people are just going to come to the lunch. Um, they're not going to come to the service we have before the lunch. Because before the lunch, they have a service where they just pray for people, they share a short word, they worship, but they focus on praying for people individually and their needs. And he said he thought people are just going to skip that and come to the lunch. Actually, his church grew. They have now 80 believers in their church <laughs> in just two months because they are spreading the gospel and just loving. They feed these people every day. They have nothing. They go with their little car and just buy, you know, they share their money, buy everything they can get that's still available, and they feed one another. It's like the early church. And it's just for us amazing to see what the te our teams in Ukraine are doing. And not only is Constantine doing it, but many of our other team members are doing the same thing. And so I want to just end by saying, remember the Chinese bamboo. I'm sure you've heard the Chinese bamboo. You know, it is, so it is sown like little seeds and then it starts growing. And in the first year, you see no growth. Not even, a, not even one leaf above the ground. Nothing. Second year, no growth. Third year, no growth. Fourth year, no growth. Fifth year, still no growth. You don't even see a little leaf outside of the ground for five years. But you have to, take, you, you have to keep on watering it and taking care of it and you know, cultivating it and taking out all the, the, you know, the weeds that come up. But, but, so you have to keep on taking care of it. But five years, see now, somewhere in the fifth year, in just six weeks, it shoots up 80 feet. Because it has gone through the process of setting deep roots, it can just grow like this in an instant. Let me tell you, often before the instant, there's a process. A process. And we have to be committed to that process. Say, God, you are on mission. And we are on mission with you. And we're not going to get discouraged. We're not going to let our hands hang just because we don't see the results we wish to see. We're going to trust you that you are always working. And thank you for showing us these snippets of how you are working. But Lord, we trust you for more. There's so many hundreds of unreached people groups that are still unreached. And God brought many of them here to Indiana. And God wants to use you to be on mission with him. But we need to be committed to the process. Be committed to the Lord and do what Nehemiah did. Said, Lord, we're going to work with you in this process and we know you are working and we will see the results eventually. So we want to just leave you with that thought and encourage you with that. And I want to ask this morning, uh, I want to pray for you. Is that okay? If you want to say again this morning, Lord, I commit to you, to your mission and to your process. And if we see some instant in that every now and then in the process, that's amazing. 
but I'm committed to you and the process. If you want to say that, let's stand and then let's just commit ourselves to the Lord. Father, thank you that you are the God of process. Yes, you're the God of the instant, but also the process. And Lord, as your church, as we stand before you this morning, Lord, we know you are on mission. And we know your desire is for each one of us to be on mission with you. Lord, help us to not get distracted from that. Father, through your Holy Spirit, birth in our hearts a deep understanding of your mission for every one of us right here in Indiana. Lord, show us how we can be salt and light every day in our workplace, among our friends, in the supermarket, in our communities. Lord, show us how we can be on mission with you and touch lives with your love. Lord, help us to be committed to you in this process that we will not just be people who desire the instant and miss what you are doing because we are so impatient in the process. Lord, help us. Help us to see you at work even when it's not really visible. Lord, help us to, to open the eyes of our faith. Open our hearts, Lord, our understanding that we will see and believe how you are working even when we cannot see it. And because of that, we will be committed, Lord, to you and your process. And as a church today, we choose that. Lord, we choose you and your mission. Use our lives for that, Jesus. That your gospel, your good news will reach the unsaved and the unreached through our lives. The way we live for you in this process. Lord, help us to be faithful in this process. Help us to be faithful. That we will not get discouraged and give up. But we will endure because we know nothing we do for the Lord is ever in vain. You will bring the results. You will do your work, Lord. We have no doubt in that. So we just stand before you as your church this morning and surrender again to you and to your mission, Lord. Lord, we want to surrender our own plans, our own dreams. And say, Lord, we want to live your dream because that is ultimately the best dream that there is. Your dream. Help us to live that, to be committed to your dream, Lord. Like Nehemiah and his team was committed to your dream for Jerusalem. Lord, we want to be so committed to your dream for our church, for this church, for our community, for this state, Lord, for this country, and for the nations of the world. Help us to live for you every day. Surrendered lives, Lord. Live for you and be committed to the process because we know you're working through it. So we just surrender to you and say, Jesus, have your way in and through us. We love you. You are worthy. You are worthy of our lives <laughs> surrendering to you and living your purpose. You are so worthy. You have given your all, and we want to give our all for your purposes. Pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.